0: Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W orshaw Burlington Business Park, Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. worshaw.ie
1: Good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. It's MJ Cleary with you for the next hour. Bringing you the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, thank you all for joining me. I wasn't here last week and what a difference two weeks make. A fortnight ago, the weather was uh, very, very, very warm. And the headline of the Irish Farmer's Journal for tomorrow, two weeks ago, was about drought taking over the country. And uh, just two weeks later, we are very, very, very far removed from drought conditions today. That is for sure. The weather until next week is more of the same. It's unsettled. Uh, Just how fortunate we were to get that dry spell for silage at the start of the month. Now this evening's program and Monday afternoon of this week saw leaving cert students sit their ag science paper. Later in the program, I will be discussing just what the farmers of tomorrow were tested on. When I speak to Laura Grant, ag science teacher from Burren County Offaly. To say that it is a comprehensive exam is an understatement. I looked through it in detail today and it really is an interesting read for somebody farming. But to have the kind of knowledge that's in the paper at the age of 17 or 18, it's really, really quite something. And uh, we're going to go through it a little bit later on. Embrace Farm is the organisation that was established by Brian and Norma Rohan from County Leash after a tragic accident on their farm and they're holding a remembrance service in Abbey Leaks this Sunday for people who have been lost in the farming community. Embrace Farm has grown over the years and now it provides support groups along with personalised supports for people who are struggling to cope in the farming community. We'll hear about the service and these supports later in the programme. The front page of the Irish Independent yesterday reports that there will be fruit and veg shortages on the shelves of supermarkets as the year progresses. And with more of that, Neil McCormack, the fruit and veg chairman of the IFI, IFA, I should say, will chat me a little later here on the programme. Also, if you have applied for TAMS funding, this tranche has been pushed out to the end of the month, which, according to the ICMSA, means that works will not be in a position to be completed this year. And We'll have more on that a little bit later. Now, as always, text the show, with your comments, thoughts or questions to 083 3010 103. Be happy to bring to our guests here this evening. First up, we are speaking about a Fine Gael conference tomorrow, entitled The Future of Farming. It takes place in Carlow in the Dolman Hotel at 8pm tomorrow and Minister of State in the Department of Agriculture, Martin Hayden, joins me now to speak about this event. Uh, Minister, May, thanks for taking my call this evening.
2: Thanks, MJ. Good to talk to you.
1: Uh, it's an event and it's part of Finnegale's National Agricultural Food and Rural Development Forum bit of a mouthful but look you're having this forum you have a few of them and I think this is your third event it's a broad topic the future of farming so the pertinent issue here in the Midlands Minister is that of bog rewetting. wetting everyone's talking about it it's on the tip of everyone's tongues at the moment farmers are in the dark I'll be honest uh, here in County Offaly especially they don't know what's happening so will any light be shed on this area at the event tomorrow please
2: yeah, absolutely. The Fine Gael National Agricultural, Food and Rural Development Forum, which is a bit of a mouthful, um, is the body that we set up with a, a national conference on agriculture and rural development last year, if, if your listeners remember, over that loan. And at that, with our newly constituted um, group, we um, uh, elected Eddie Downey, former IFA president, as our leader of the forum. And it has 61 members, grassroots Fine Gael members from around the country, who have a very good interest and uh, expertise in the area of agriculture and food and rural development. And um, we it's a body that we rely on very heavily that, um, you, you know, meet with us, the public representatives and uh, have their own view, um, but also that they have public meetings around the country. And um, it's one that I will be addressing tomorrow night, along with my colleague, Minister Simon Harris, Minister for Higher and Further Education, as well as representatives of business in uh, Margaret Curwin, the owners of Goatbridge, Trout Farm, and Lorna Sixsmith, uh, a dairy farmer and an author. And we've had a series of these meetings. We had one in Mitchellstown, one in Toom, one in Callan in Kirkenny not too long ago, and the one in the Dolman tomorrow night at 8 o'clock is open to the public for all to come to, to hear from us, the speakers, but also, most importantly, to ask questions. And uh, I just had to get that plug in. That was important, Emma Jay, so that your listeners know what's on and that they are welcome to attend, if they wish. And yes, absolutely the issues that will be raised on the night are the topical ones, and nature restoration has been a very topical one in recent times. Um, so, you know, what we've seen this week in relation to that issue has been the European Council of Ministers uh, agree a general approach under the nature, nature restoration law. Now, it is an important step uh, in bringing clarity to what has been a very contested space, but it's just a step. We're not there yet for the final um, agreement because from the outset, uh, you know, we in to have engaged in this file very early on to try and, and I was actually on Midlands Radio previously, talking about the type of flexibilities we were trying to get in uh, to this uh, draft law to make sure that a country like Ireland that has a lot of natural peatland has that flexibility around being able to use state-owned land um, and that that can be used first and foremost. I'm very confident that we will come to a resolution here that that what is expected of Ireland will be able to be met um, through predominantly state-owned land and thereafter by farmers who voluntarily wish to do this can be supported to do so. But in that space, we need to find new money. It can't be going back to the cap and taking money from that. I'm very clear on that.
1: Yeah, and tomorrow's... Farmer's Journal, uh, Minister, it is stated that uh, you are saying that there will be enough state-owned land for re wetting to occur. And that goes against uh, Eamon Ryan earlier in the week. He was a little bit wishy-washy on Clare Byrne. He said uh, if compulsory purchases need to occur, then he was saying, "Mm, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Um, Are you saying that definitively, this is a red line one now, by 2050, that we won't need any private land? Is there enough Bordelemonia Quiltia land for this?
2: There absolutely is enough uh, land in state-owned land in Portneumona and Quilche and in other areas. And what's really important is that the final text of the law that's agreed in Europe gives countries like us the flexibility um, to be able to do that. And look, you know, farmers have travelled a really significant journey in terms of carrying uh, our share of the load in in, in terms of, of paying our part for restoring nature, for improving biodiversity, reducing emissions from the food we produce. And we have set been set ambitious targets at 25%, and I believe we'll go a long way to meeting them because of the new measures that farmers are adopting. But we've done that in partnership. And, you know, we haven't done that by talking about CPOs or doing any such measures like that. That won't work. Um, so I'm very clear on this. You know, there will be farmers who will be interested in, you know, in, if there is financial support for farming certain land at a lower management intensity, Um but that's very different to mandatory measures there. And, you know, I definitely see there is enough state land here for us um, to be able to meet our obligations as a country. And what we're working on in Europe is making sure the flexibility is there in any final agreement to allow us as a country to be able to do that.
1: The state-owned land is fine, Minister, but what farmers are worried about here, especially in County Offaly, are the neighbouring farms of state-owned yes. land. Uh, to ensure that their land won't be affected by rewetting, And what I've seen a number of times written in the last couple of weeks, and I have to agree with this, is what we need immediately set up is a demo farm whereby it's re and we see what the connotations are. Now, it's not going to give us a long, long-term view because, look, nobody knows what's going to happen in the future, but at least it's going to give us something to go off in relation to this. Is that something you're working on? Uh,
2: well, look, to be clear here, there's about 15,000 hectares already uh, re-wetted in Ireland by Bord Móna, uh, Their initial targets of 33,000 hectares was what was set for them a couple of years ago and they're well on the road to achieving that, and that is, target.
1: And just my question that, uh, Minister, is that that land that's rewedded, is that in the centre of larger amounts of land or does that border any private landowners? And look, you may not know the answer. To that. It's an awful lot of land but that's just the, my, the question that comes to mind.
2: My understanding in discussions with uh, officials in Bord Móna is that they're very cognisant of the impact of adjoining land um, so, you know, they don't run bungs right up to uh, a boundary with somebody else for fear that it would have such an impact. But there will be learnings from the 15,000 hectares. There's 15,000 hectares in this country already that, you know, these practices have been practiced out on. And, um, we, you know, there are learnings from that, absolutely. And as more of this is done, we'll have uh, more technology there. But it, it's really clear in the flexibility we're looking for in the uh, rules um, that come down from Europe. We need that flexibility that nobody can be talking about flooding neighbours' land that doesn't want to be participating in this. What we are looking at is a voluntary approach. Voluntary approach is working well in terms of farmers, you know, looking to do the different measures that are needed from our sector to play our part. Um, And that's what we will continue to do so in partnership and we look to get that flexibility in there. But we do have 15,000 hectares already that you know isn't causing that type of problem uh, on, on any broad level and where it, it, where there are examples if there is then we'll look at that and we will learn from that absolutely
1: i suppose if i was a neighboring landowner minister and uh, i was right beside board mona and they were rewetting land i personally would look for a guarantee that if my land is affected within the next whatever the period would be, maybe 5, 10, 15 years, you might even push it to 20 years, that you're going to be entitled to some sort of compensation. That would be a reasonable thing to do. I think that's what farmers are going to look for. Is that something you've thought about? So so look from this
2: perspective, the final requirements, what the final law that would be re- expected of Ireland is still being drafted. It, we're, there is nothing agreed here yet. We are going to enter in, we have a, a position from the council agreed this, the Council of Ministers agreed this week that I think is a lot more pragmatic and has a lot of flexibility recommended in it. Obviously, the Parliament is at its impasse with its committee and has a further way to go, and its recommendations initially were very different, and that's part of the confusion that's here, that the the discussion here has been about different proposals. So, of course, people are confused. Of course, there hasn't been clarity. But once they go into the trilogue negotiations between the Commission, the Council, and the Parliament, and we get that final place, what we are doing here as a country is defending our interests and making sure that yes we don't lack ambition when it comes to uh, restoring nature of course everyone as custodians of the land want to see that happen that's reverse biodiversity loss and the rest while not impacting on our financial viability to be able to continue to farm and but it's to be able to do that in a way that doesn't have adverse impacts uh, like affecting neighbouring land that isn't in that scheme so that's very much something that will be foremost in our mind and I would think it's a very practical thing to expect that commitments are made here that no country is expected to carry out these measures if it's going to have a knock-on impact um, on an adjoining landowner. But I believe there's a lot of measures we can do here to make sure that this doesn't happen.
1: Something else that will come up tomorrow evening, uh, Minister, and again, garnering a lot of media, media attention, I should say, over the last few weeks, and that is this potential cull cow scheme. Uh, this is something which uh, farmers are unhappy about and we saw uh, a tweet from Elon Musk last week or 10 days ago saying that uh, culling Irish cows isn't going to make any difference to the to the global environment and uh, hard to argue against them uh, one of the greatest minds in the world and uh, he just said look it's, it's nonsense essentially is what he said in a, te- in, a, in a tweet a couple of weeks back that's what I'm getting when I'm speaking to farmers on the ground they're saying, look, we will do protected and no problem. We'll do multi-species ward. We'll do low emission slurry spreading. If the derogation goes in 250, to 220, so be it. We'll work with that. We're working with banding. But culling productive dairy animals, no, it's not what anyone wants to do. And people don't see it. And there's a lot of backlash from this, Minister.
2: So I think it's really important to talk about where this originally came from. Um, and it's really important to be very clear. There is no scheme. There is no proposed scheme here. What we did after we established Food Vision 2030, which is our 10-year strategy for how we're going to grow the value of our food and drinks exports out of Ireland to the benefit of Ireland's farmers, uh, we set individual Food Vision subgroups. The Dairy Food Vision subgroup was the first one established and the second one was the Beef and Sheep group. And that had representatives from the farm organizations, from industry, from co-ops, all the key stakeholders. When we sat around the table and we talked about the different uh, challenges and opportunities that face us down the line how we can ensure we have alternative funding streams for uh, farmers to come from the likes of renewable energy, like solar, like anaerobic digestion and those opportunities, but also what are the challenges and threats to us? And we know what they are in the area. of Dairy as example in terms of welfare, calves, emissions, water quality and nitrates. These are all things that are there that we have to be proactive on managing and we are leading the way on trying to manage. Um, So the, the Dairy Food Vision Group came up with 19 recommendations to be looked at to try and help us meet our mission targets, but protect the future, of the sector and all the rest. And one of those 19 was to look at an exit scheme for those dairy farmers who wish to do so. It is incumbent on my department, when recommendations like that come from stakeholders, that there will be modelling work carried out, that we would look at it. There's loads of modelling work carried out by my officials in the Department of Agriculture to look that if we were to do X, Y or Z, how much would that cost? What would be the benefit? Are there unintended consequences? What would be the knock-on impact of that? So people shouldn't be rattled by the fact that modelling has happened to look at this. I've seen lots of modelling papers on lots of different uh, suggestions that might never happen. So there isn't a scheme here as such. And from my perspective, I'm very clear that, you know, I would need convincing. I would need to be convinced that any such measure would be value for money and would do what it was expected to do and would be for the benefit of overall agriculture and farmers uh, uh, and, and that approach. Because there ultimately are different ways to achieve what the targets are we have to achieve here, but you know ultimately this is a recommendation that came from the Food Vision Dairy Group. It is incumbent on my department that it would analyse that um, and then look at that modelling thereafter.
1: Yeah, we could uh, we could chat all evening, uh, Minister, lots of uh, uh, different topics. But look, there are the two most pertinent ones at the moment. I'm going to let you go because I know you're busy this evening. Uh, just your event is. Will you give me time, day, date uh, for it all uh, just before you go?
2: Yeah, so everyone is welcome. It's open to the public. It's the Fine National Agriculture, Food and Rural Development Forum. Obviously, we'll focus on agriculture, but also food and rural development is a key part of it. It'll be chaired by uh, our chairman, uh, um, Eddie Downey. It's in the Dolman Hotel in Carlow tomorrow night, Thursday the 22nd of June at 8pm. All are welcome. And while there'll be speeches at the start, I guarantee people a large part of the meeting will be questions and answers where people get to have their say.
1: Very good. Many thanks, Minister. We'll speak to you again on the programme. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, Martin Hayden there and that event is uh, as we said tomorrow evening in the Dolman Hotel in Carlow and uh, look nature restoration law it's early days in it but uh, they are the assurances that farmers want a farmer if his or her land is neighbouring land that is to be rewetted, they want a written guarantee that if anything happens their land that they will be compensated for it and uh, there's no question about that, that's a red line issue and that's just where it has to be at and that's where the conversation needs to be from day one in relation to the call uh, look it's mooted, it, it, it is put out there at the moment will it happen won't it happen it will depend it will be voluntary obviously uh, it would have to be voluntary there could be no question about that uh, but the merit in uh, in culling productive cows mm, it's cr- I have to scratch my head when I look at it anyway there's no question about that Coming up after the break, we're going to be speaking about ag science. So if you sat your exam on Monday of this week, we're going to look down through a few issues uh, that arose. Uh, There was one question about bull breeds at the start, and I'm still scratching my head a little bit in relation to it. I'm not sure which is which. I'm going to ask Laura Grant, ag science teacher from Burr in County Offaly, in just a moment. We're also going to talk about a few different elements of the paper which is what the farmers of tomorrow are currently being taught. And it is very interesting and it's very up to date on the whole environment aspect that we've just been speaking about there. So stay tuned for that and we'll be back in two minutes.
0: Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands.
1: And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on. Ag science is the order of the day. And we have Laura Grant, ag science teacher from Burn County, Offaly. Laura, many thanks for taking my call this evening.
3: No problem. Thanks very much for having me, MJ. Uh,
1: Laura, Monday afternoon saw students uh, sit the exam. It was two and a half hours. I had a look at the paper yesterday and I thought it was very tough. Uh, now, I didn't do ag science from leaving back many moons ago. But um, you're in the know. What did you think? Did you think it was, uh, it was a tough paper? Yeah, well,
3: look at it. Into. I suppose when I did look at it there yesterday, it seemed like a fair enough paper, but there definitely were, I think, a few questions that were challenging enough. Um, and it certainly required a lot of anal- analysis and kind of interpretation of kind of, I suppose, reports and information and data. And I suppose that kind of is a fair representation of what farming has gone like today in terms of looking at killout reports and ICBF report Eurostar indexes milk recording results so it kind of did require a lot of that yeah,
1: it's a very, very, very accurate and, and up-to-date reflection of agriculture, no question about it. And there's a few parts on it I want to I pop through. One of them, Laura, was, and the reason I, I'm doing the piece with you this evening was uh, a, a girl who was on work experience with me back a few weeks ago on the farm. She sat at science and she sent me a message yesterday wondering, did I know what these three breeds of bulls are? And obviously our listeners here don't have this in front of us, but there's, there's three bulls in front of us here, A, B, and a C. B is... Definitively a Belgian blue. I don't think anyone That's could true. argue yeah. could argue on that. Uh, I was guessing that A was a shorthorn. Was I right, Laura? Yes. Is I it, would
3: agree, I would agree. It, a is a short B is a Belgian blue and I would
1: say C is a cemental. Yes, so a C was the one that yeah. caught me. I was looking at C and I said to myself, I said cemental initially and uh, underneath it then it said it's a dual purpose breed and that threw me a little and I was saying maybe it could possibly be Fleckve either. That The dual purpose got me on that one. I thought that was very tough from the outset and that was pretty much the first question on the paper.
3: It was and I think that's kind of the reviews that I I heard about the paper was that it kind of threw a lot of students and like that was, as you say, the very first question that they opened it up and they saw and I think the short questions actually were very challenging and a lot of them said that that's what they struggled with a lot. But yeah, it was, overall it was, it was a challenging enough paper, MJ, um, and as I said, it did require nearly not just sitting down and learning from the book, it was kind of more, a lot of, as I said, analysis and interpretation of results and data as well. And Which a v- kind of threw a lot of students as well. Yeah, no, you know?
1: no, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you really need to have your head screwed on, no question about it. Uh, moving on then, there was a question. There's an aerial view here of the ICBF um, the Cattle Breeding Federation in County Kildare and a huge big aerial picture of it all seeing the shades and the pens and everything around it and they're talking then about uh, when a bull arrives at the test centre they enter an isolation area they're clipped, they're dosed for lice they're sorted into pens and you have to explain why all these things are done but the interesting one here is outline the importance of performance testing to the beef or dairy industry in Ireland and again this is exactly what we're doing on a daily basis we're trying to increase the genetic merit of bulls used in the dairy industry and here are students learning about it on, on the day
3: Absolutely well look at I suppose the days of kind of just letting out your, your stock bull every single year to the same cows every single year is gone you know mm. I suppose ICBF I and mean, what we're, we're trying to enforce in the classroom I suppose is trying to get it across to students that it's important you know to select your bulls You know, based on what traits you want to improve, whether it's your milk solids, your milk yield, fertility, conformation, carcass. So it's selective breeding. And I suppose ICBF in terms of replacement or terminal indexes, that's what we're trying to drill. I suppose drill home Mm. to students as well, because it's kind of what is going on in farms too is that we want to increase these traits and we want to basically breed a better animal, a more efficient animal to what you're actually wanting Mm. them to do.
1: Yeah, 100%. If we move on, then another really, really topical one. And that's, protected urea and here you can see in front of you then there's a, a little example done of protected urea versus unprotected urea getting into uh, a water course and uh you're you're finding out then the, n- the nitrate levels in the in the water as a result of protected urea versus unprotected urea and uh, according to the graph here it, it's no comparison to protected urea causes far less damage uh, this is really interesting area as well laura
3: Absolutely. Well, look, at um, the Ag Science project part of the coursework, it was actually based similarly on this topic. It was the effective use of nutrients um, and their impact on the environment. So I suppose this kind of it was put in kind of in, in an indirect way, kind of basing it on sustainability and conservation of the environment, which is a massive big topic of the new Ag Science course. Now, it's all based on, you know, conserving the environment, reducing greenhouse gas emissions, and I suppose that's something that we kind of try to get through students as well, that farming, you know, it's, it's, sometimes farmers get a lot of negativity about, you know, that it's greenhouse gases and it's very bad for the environment. But to be honest, I'm a farmer at home myself, and I think farmers do everything that they can to mm. try to be advocates for the environment. At the end of the day, we're the ones out on the farm, in the environment, you know, we're, we're including clover into the grass ward. we're using protected fertilizer, and I suppose. The important thing with the increasing costs of fertiliser and the fluctuating costs of fertiliser it's important to try to get something that's not going to volatilise into the air you want it going into your grass and into the soil
1: yeah no 100 so from, a,
3: from a cost a cost effective point of view and also from i suppose an environmental point of view it's you know it's good i suppose to try to do all we can as, and if it kind of helps to use protected fertiliser it's definitely a way to go in the future
1: yeah and talking about the cost of fertiliser then another part of the exam goes on and speaks about uh, slurry and you had to look at it and it was using a hydrometer and this is something i've had on the program a couple of times guys are selling these and they're a very simple little tool where you test your slurry and you you get an idea as to as to what's in it and uh, again putting this out there getting this sowing this seed with the, the farmers of tomorrow is very beneficial for them to understand just how beneficial and useful slurry is
3: Absolutely. Well, look. As I said as well, um, I always say this to my students as well. Like a farmer needs to utilise the fertiliser that they produce on their own farm first. You know, whether it's farm manure or whether it's slurry. And I suppose sometimes even my own father at home would say, "Sure, look, the slurry is what it is now, and that's it." And I suppose we're using the likes of a hydrometer. Yes, it will tell you the dry matter, and it will tell you it'll give you an indication as to what mm. N P K values you have um but you know i suppose whenever you have slurry you kind of want to put it out in the right conditions using the right equipment whether it's your trailing shoe dribble bar preferably you know you want to try to get the best utilization from that i definitely do think that using a trailing shoe from personal experience here at home it's undoubtedly way better than Mm. the splash plate you know um just the difference in grass growth is phenomenal and i suppose as it going back to the protected fertilizer again if it helps the environment that's even better you know if yeah. you're hitting every aspect there but um no definitely look at it's the way forward as i said testing your silage testing your soil testing your slurry it is kind of the way forward and it's kind of farming has diversified and changed so much in the last 30 years it's it's getting a lot more scientific
1: you yeah, know absolutely and everything we're doing when you see it on the ag science paper you realize there's a science base to it one of the last ones i'll talk about uh laura and that is the 25% reduction that we're looking to achieve by 2030 and it's on everyone's That's lips true. at the moment and it's what we're what we're talking about in agriculture weekly here on the program and and everywhere else and it's a Anna and Lucy these two people examined the percentage share of the carbon emissions from their beef enterprise and we look at it and we see uh, how much uh, emissions come from the different areas one being animal digestion the other being man- manure usage fertilizer usage than forage and feed and again it's asking you to look at this data identify the main source of carbon emissions on the farm again getting the farmers of tomorrow to look at this and go well actually you know what when the animal is here eating and growing this is actually using up carbon something you may not really think of unless you're told
3: absolutely well look at i suppose as you say we are kind of put it's put to farmers a lot to kind of meet targets, and I suppose was it was twenty five percent by twenty thirty but I suppose going back to what we were talking about there previous with i c b f um and you know selective breeding and we're trying to breed an animal that's going to increase their- car- carcass and their conformation uh, i suppose you know sending on animals to the factory at you know twenty four months um I do think though you know farmers are doing everything that they can like you know The likes of, I suppose, the previous schemes, your previous rep scheme and your um, gloss and now your acre scheme. Like uh, farmers are doing everything that they can in terms of sowing hedgerows, buffer zones. Um, So there's lots of things that are being done, I suppose, that aren't really spoken about. Um, So I do think it is, you know, it, it kind of is a help, I suppose
1: yeah no absolutely are. and the fact that it's, it's on the paper and people are going to be aware of it look a lot of your students are going to be going on they're going to be studying ag science they're going to go on to become farmers dairy farmers beef farmers go on to Gurtine go on to different ag colleges and the fact that they're thinking like this from the outset it's yes it's cutting carbon emissions it's also cutting costs it's increasing productivity uh, and it's trying to marry all of those things together and make a good living out of agriculture that's really where we're, where we're all at uh, but it is very interesting to look through it other areas we didn't get a chance to talk about but look there's parts about scanning cows. Like digestive systems of the pigs, somatic cell counts, mastitis, it really is so wide ranging. And uh, after two years of that course, uh, Laura, you're going to be well versed. If you're going on to an ag college after it, you'll have a very, very good grounding behind you for a career in agriculture.
3: Absolutely. Well, look, coming from I, I did ag science myself in WIT a few moons ago, but absolutely, MJ, I think it does, um, as I said to you yesterday on the phone, it does, the new course, the new ag science course definitely does give a better representation of Irish agriculture today and its future. Like, it's changed so much since, I say, my own father started farming. It's gone very much technological-based, very much scientific, very much data-based. You're, you know, you're picking your bulls, you're using, you know, different, I suppose, technology in terms of EBI, Eurostar indexes. It's, it's gone very kind of scientific, as I said, and that's the way forward, and that's the way that we need to kind of start thinking you
1: yeah, know. Absolutely, Laura, I'm going to leave it at that and I'm going to say many thanks for joining me here on the programme. Hopefully your students did well and uh, no doubt with a teacher like yourself, they, uh, they did because definitely know your stuff, no question about that and we'll speak to you again on the programme here, Laura, many thanks.
3: No problem, thank you very much MJ.
1: Uh, Laura Grant their Ag Science teacher from a borough in County Offaly and uh, if you set the exam on Monday last, uh, fingers crossed you did well. And the leave insert in general is, uh, look, it's a very, very tough thing, very challenging time over a couple of weeks. And if you did well, that's fantastic. If you didn't do great in it and uh, it's not your thing, you'll go on and you'll find something uh, that is your thing because academia isn't for everyone. And there's any amount of avenues out there and lots of different areas to get into, especially if you have a good work ethic. And uh, you will find what you're passionate about and you'll crack on with it. So it is what it is. You've done your best and uh, the rest is uh, to uh, to be seen what will occur in August when you get your results. But that Ag Science exam, two and a half hours of it, uh, you wouldn't have been fit for much after, to tell you that. But thirty, it was actually about 40 pages long. I was looking through the exam paper. I thought it would never end. Uh, now, that is it for this section of the programme. And we're going to move on with an ad break. After the break, I'm going to be talking to Neil McCormack. who's from the IFA about a potential fruit and veg shortage as a result of the weather over the last couple of months. We're also going to be talking to Caroline Redmond. She's from Embrace Farm about a service which they have coming up this Sunday in Abbey Leaks. So stay tuned.
0: Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie
1: And you're welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands One Hundred and Three. Now I am starting off with fruit and veg, and I have Neil McCormack, IFa Fruit and Veg Chairman, joining me. Neil, many thanks for taking my call this evening.
4: Thanks very much, MJ, for having me
1: on. Ah, you're more than welcome, Neil. I'm talking about the headline of the Irish Independent yesterday, and it stated warning of Irish fruit and vegetable shortages. Now. Newspapers love to be sensationalist, but is this a sensationalist headline, Neil, or are we looking at uh, a shortage of fruit and veg on shelves?
4: Well, you know, time will tell, but there, there is a twofold problem here. Um, crops were put in late because of weather conditions. As I said, I think, earlier on, that's, um, there's one broccoli grower, I know, and instead of having five plantings in by the middle of may you just three plantings in and then on the east coast where soils are lighter they would have suffered uh, somewhat with drought the other side of the problem mj is that um there has a pro- been a projected seven percent decrease in the amount of veg grown this year due to people getting out of of growing veg and um, so between the two situations we are probably talking about definitely less volume of veg on the Irish
1: market. Uh, Yeah, a lot of, as you said, the amount of people getting out of it, uh, Neil, getting out of it for many reasons, getting out of it because of the workload, uh, because of, you know, differences, trying to get staff and whatnot. Uh, And also, look, we see the issue with peat as well over the last couple of years uh, and and not very favourable for horticulture. So there's a lot of challenges in the sector at the moment.
4: Yes, there are a lot of challenges. Um... Growers, some growers are getting older. The age profile of Irish um, market gardeners or horticulture growers is quite, quite a bit older than than we say say it should be. Not many people coming into the business. Very few young people coming in. Um, and growers in general are pretty upbeat but at recent meetings you could feel the kind of doom and gloom. Mm. Prices, priceless, prices, is probably the biggest problem, and labour shortages, and availability of good labour. Um, fruit and veg, if you took a graph from the 1970s right up to, say, a year ago, the, pr- the, fruit, the price of fruit and veg has not kept up with the price of inflation. So that means that real price of fr- fruit and veg has dropped. Now, it has gone up a bit over the last year since the war in ukraine but um you know farmers feel as though they're hitting their head against a stone wall availability of labor is a problem too and um, work permits getting work permits for workers and that and um, is another problem so really it's probably time as the government and the powers to be will have to look at this situation because Shortages of fruit and veg means that stuff has to come in from abroad. That in turn affects our Irish food security. And as an island nation, we're at the end of the line. And I'm sure the French, the Germans, and the Spanish. Um, will look after themselves first
1: mm, yeah, Absolutely, uh, finally and before I let you go, you're predominantly a strawberry grower, how has that weather been for you the last few weeks, uh, the extremely dry weather, I know look you're a polytunnel but still yeah, yeah, you have to work and you have to have labour inside them, but uh, the last couple of weeks end of rain what, what would you like ideally for strawberries at the moment?
4: No, in fairness the last few weeks um, demand has been good and um, you know, a lot of strawberries has been picked and um, so, yeah, no, in fairness, we're getting a good run of it at the moment. Um, we have another kind of week of peak picking and then we kind of drop down a little bit um, and we peter out then till October.
1: Yeah, very good. Uh, well, uh, Neil, many thanks for joining me here on the programme. and uh, We don't have to worry too much yet I'd say but maybe we might have to scale back a small bit of that, uh, that veg on the plate as the year progresses we'll have to wait and see and see how the growing year progresses as well I'll say many thanks for joining me Neil and uh, hopefully you have a, a productive and fruitful no pun intended rest of the season
4: Thank you very much Andy well, Thanks Neil Take
1: care. Uh, Neil McCormick there IFA Fruit and Veg Chairman and uh, Neil is uh, up in the North West Mead uh, region, and uh, he produces lots of strawberries for super values predominantly, uh, down around here, down around the Midlands, Mullingar, and Burr predominantly and uh, as you can hear there the labour is a big one in horticulture labour is massive look it's massive in all areas of agriculture but that and peat availability of peat and rising prices as a result of nonsensical rules in relation to use of our own peat in horticulture but that is something for another day Uh, now embrace farm have a service which is taking place this sunday in abbey leaks and caroline redmond from embrace farm joins me now caroline many thanks for taking my call this evening
5: Thanks. Hello, MJ. Thanks for having us on.
1: Here. Uh, you're more than welcome, Caroline. Caroline, can you just give people an indication of what's occurring in Abbey Leakes this Sunday, please?
5: This Sunday um, is the 10th Annual Ecumenical Remembrance Service Mass, organised by Embrace Farm. Um, so it's, yes, 10 years this year, and it will be held at 2pm in the Most Holy Rosary, Catholic
1: Church in Abbey Leakes, County Leash. And um, uh, Carolyn, as you said, 10 years, hard to believe I've been undergo 10 years. I often um, publicise it here on the programme for you over the years. And it was as a result of a tragic farm accident taking place on the farm of uh, Brian and Norma Rohan, which the vast majority of our listeners. Will be aware of, and uh, that's where Embrace Farm started. But over the years, Embrace Farm has moved into different areas, and uh, you've gone into the area, especially in the last couple of years, that of support and a support network for people. Can you just give our listeners a little indication of what you do in that area, please?
5: Yes, um, we provide. We can now provide um, counselling support and practical supports regarding the the farm. Uh, to families, so our, you know, all along since 2014, we have provided peer-to-peer supports um, with support workshops and connecting families who have been through similar losses. Um, and since January 22, we can we have uh, we can provide the count- free counselling to all members of the family, um, and we have counsellors based throughout the country, so we connect families in with a counsellor close, close to them and this is done through face to face or it can be done online or over the phone you know it's, it's we go with the needs of, of the family
1: and um, for for people who are in need uh, Caroline this is a service which is state sponsored I, I, I believe uh, There's no, there's no charge initially is that correct?
5: There is no charge uh, for any supports from Embrace Farm. Yes, we have been funded by the Department of Agriculture and that's how we were able to expand to provide these counselling and practical supports for these families.
1: Yeah, fantastic service that you are providing, uh, Caroline. No question about it. It's great to get the message out there for people who are in need. Uh, I'm going to let you go uh, because we're just uh, short on time this evening and I'm going to say to you many thanks for joining me here on the programme and your services this Sunday 2pm in Abbey Leaks. Many thanks, Caroline.
5: Thanks very much, MJ.
1: Uh, Caroline Redmond there from Embrace Farm and the uh, support services which Embrace Farm are now giving to people are wide, wide ranging. Uh, if uh, you are in a position where you lose a family member on the farm, say for example, uh, a husband does all the farming and uh, he passes away suddenly and a uh, wife is left not knowing what to do, Embrace Farm are there and they will come in and give you advice on what you can do, uh, where you need to go in the lines of advisors, uh, legal, tax, all of those things. That's just one app aspect of what they do also if you're struggling from uh, a mental health perspective they're there as well and they can set up counselling for you and support and you get six or eight sessions again all for free fantastic uh, service here being provided so just a phone call away should you need them and that service is as i said this sunday in abbey leaks now coming up after the break i'm going to be speaking to dennis strennan from the icmsa and the icmsa are very unhappy at the moment that the recent TAMS tranche, so if you were looking for government, uh, for Department of Agriculture funding, for grant funding basically, the closing date for the first tranche was meant to be the 16th of June. That's been pushed to the end of the month and uh, the ICMSA are very unhappy with this. We're going to hear about it in just a moment.
0: Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw, Burlington Business Park, Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. W. Orshaw.ie.
1: And you're welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now the last piece of this evening's programme, we're going to talk to Dennis Strennan from the ICMSA about TAMS funding and uh, a change in the dates. Dennis, many thanks for taking my call this evening.
6: Good evening to you. Thanks for having
1: me. Uh, More than welcome, Dennis. And uh, this tranche of TAMS being pushed out to the end of the month, it's very disappointing, Dennis.
6: Yeah. Look, what I mean. Everybody realises that, I suppose, slurry storage, storage is an issue from an environmental point of view, from a fa- farmer point of view. You know, just to manage slurry and new- valuable nutrients on your farm. And you know, when the first date was announced of the of the first tranche of the new tams being opened on the 16th, we actually met with the department and with the even as far up as far as the T Shock and said, look, what, we really need this to be brought forward at least for slurry storage, storage for anybody you know doing work digging in the ground or whatever. You know, we can't let the summer go wasted with good weather and then have everybody trying to slob around in muck at the back end of the year. So we've done everything we could and tried to persuade them to bring it forward, even for a slurry storage element of it, and uh, they wouldn't budge. And now to have to see that being pushed out by yet another two weeks so that nobody really would get approval before the first. Either the last week in September or the first week in October is even more disappointing than it already was because we all know it's not the optimum time to start digging uh, tanks from the ground when the weather is disimproving and the days are getting shorter.
1: Yeah, actually nearly not possible. Then, is any reasoning given from the department as to as to kicking it out? Is it a, 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 are they saying a, a labour shortage? You just can't get through applications. Is it people on the ground? Uh, what's what's the reasoning?
6: It, no, it's basically down to that their IT system is not ready. Um, the release in TAMS, uh, the application closing date for TAMS means that all the applications uh, processes have to be open and the women agriculture one, which actually hasn't opened yet, is not even ready to go yet. Um, so they can't really have a closing date unless all the grant aid schemes are up and running. And that's the last one to be announced and it hasn't been announced yet, so they have to wait until that one is announced. So basically it's, it's lack of progress from the... Department side themselves on IT and being ready to accept applications and all the different schemes that are out there.
1: And we hear then about uh, our environmental uh, uh, concerns and uh, what we're doing to try and reduce emissions. And we're speaking about I spoke to Martin Hayden and started a programme on it. But you would think that slurry storage or additional slurry storage is going to be a benefit to farmers up and down the country. But um, with dates like this and being pushed out, like realistically, as you said, Dennis, you're not going to start digging a tank in October. Uh, like, unless, look, you might get a very dry October. You, you might get it in. Possibly, but you're not going to get a roof and it's not going to be up and running until, you're talking the following year again, really.
6: Yeah, well, well look, at, I suppose anybody who's gone through a tank, I mean, look, at the builders are very efficient at this. You'll probably, uh, a good building crew will probably get through two tanks a week. So every week you delay it, you're delaying every building crew by two tanks. So mm. even delaying it by two weeks is four people that won't have tanks done for this year. So that's why when, when this was announced the first time and for the closing date the 16th of June, we campaigned and, and, and pleaded with the department to, you know, just open the slurry storage one, uh, let those applications flow in, and uh, and uh, let people, get you know, send out the approvals. Because I suppose the, the problem here, like a lot of people may not realise, is that when, when you put in your application, you're going to be waiting a minimum of three months to get approval. Hmm. So the 29th of June is going to turn into the ninth of September for approval. So you can't do any work before the ninth of September. So that's why we pleaded so early. We, uh, the minutes was announced probably about three months ago. We asked for this to be brought forward just so that people could get worked on when the weather was suitable.
1: Yeah, very frustrating, Dennis. Very, very, very frustrating indeed. But uh, look, I know yourselves in the ICMSA, the other foreign bodies are going to try, try and keep pressure on to get things moving as quick as we can on this. But uh, it's where it's at at the moment. And I'm going to say many thanks for joining me here on the programme and shedding some light on this area for us. Dennis, many thanks.
6: Lovely. Thanks a million.
1: Uh, Dennis Drennan there from the ICMSA and more delay. Uh, which, uh, as Dennis said, and uh, I'd have to agree with, is just hugely frustrating, especially for people who were trying to get something done this year. Uh, and uh, moved by uh, another two weeks to the 29th of June. Now, that is it for this evening's programme. Before I give uh, a rundown on the different aspects of what we covered this evening, a uh, text in from a listener here and uh, he said, uh, MJ, I think it's fair to say science or no science. So we're speaking about science, the ag science uh, leaving cert exam, uh, the way things are going, it's a whole load of SH1TE, so I'm not going to say that, uh, that word, but uh, you can all figure out what it is. And uh, look, that's definitively, as I as I said to Martin Hayden at the start of the programme, that's what farmers are feeling at the moment, feeling very disgruntled and very annoyed uh, and feel like they're being left in the dark in relation to all of these things. The politicians are negotiating nature restoration laws, but they're not speaking to people on the ground. And that's the message we're putting out here on the programme. Uh, I'm going to say many thanks to all my guests who joined me this evening. It started off with Martin Hayden at the top of the hour. And then we moved on to Laura Grant, ag science teacher who ran through the ag science exam which took place on Monday of this week. Uh, spoke to Neil McCormick there from the IFA, Caroline Redmond from Embrace Farm. They have their service taking place this Sunday and Dennis Drennan just there from the IC MSA spoke to us about the Thames Trench being pushed out by that two weeks. Uh, I'm going to say... Thank you very much for joining me this evening over the course of the last hour. The show is repeated on Sunday morning at 7am until 8am and you can get the program wherever you get your podcasts. If you type in MJ space Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y, we will pop up and you can listen at your leisure. Uh, Joe Cooney is going to be up here next with Country Roads and I'll be back to you in seven days time as always. So I'll say goodnight and God bless. (music)